0: Hey guys, we're back with part two of my conversation with Jessica Lignato, astrologer, medium, psychic. Today is all about astrology. This one is for the zodiac lover, the person who knows someone else's sign without having to be told when they were born. You always wanna know someone's like date of birth, location, like this one's for you. In this episode, Jessica is doing a session with me based on my birth chart. So I gave her the day I was born, the time I was born, which yes, I had to look up on my birth certificate and the location. And from that, she was able to map out a star chart, which again, not information I had before, but I found so fascinating. We take a dive into all kinds of things, and some instances in the show go really deep. So if you're an astrology lover, I think you'll dig that. But other parts talk about why we are the way we are, how we function like we do, and... I honestly, I could have talked to her for six more hours. So I hope you dig this as much as I dig getting the chance to learn about myself and about others. This is part two of my conversation with Jessica. If you want to listen to part one, go back to yesterday's episode. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis podcast.
1: Should we just look at your chart, though? Yes, yes. I'm I'm ready. I'm going to share my screen. Okay. Because that's the easiest way of doing a thing. Can you see it? hmm. Sticking with our conversation um, about like the technical stuff. This is your birth chart, right? These lines in the middle that you're seeing are called aspects. They're the math. Uh, you know, they're, they're drawing the, the math and all of the red lines. This is my little fancy program. It does something cute here. All the red lines are conflictual and the blue lines are flow and ease. Ooh, -hmm, okay, great. mm -hmm, I love
0: this already. I was getting my lashes done yesterday and the gal who does my lashes very into astrology, I was telling her that I was gonna have you on the show and she said, oh, I hope you talk about aspects. That's my favorite. And I was like, (laughs) I've never heard of that, but I will see what I can do. So Um, we're already uh,
1: achieving this for Mandy. That is great. Um, Aspects are essential because when we're just talking about like my son is Capricorn, right, which both of our sons are Capricorn, that's just one part of you. And what do they say about Capricorns? The stereotypes about Capricorns are very ambitious, very self-serious, very capitalistic, all of these kinds of things, right? I don't know if you identify with those things. To me, that is like a tip of the iceberg of what a Capricorn right. is. And it's even in your son is the tip of the iceberg of what you are. Because yes, your son is in Capricorn, but you have a stellium in Sagittarius and another smaller stellium in Aquarius. So again, when I say glorious weirdo, I know I'm telling the truth because you are somebody who um, is so inspired by ideas. You get like a hair in your brain and then you will not stop until you've chased down the idea. You're all about learning and expanding. And you're not really scared to go where no person has gone before. Like you like getting weird. Yeah. That's both Sagittarius and Aquarius are like, I would say the two most adventurous signs of the Zodiac, which is why Everyone talking to you about being a Capricorn, I'm guessing sometimes just doesn't feel right because you're not conservative, even though you might have right. a part of yourself that is, that's not like the whole of you by a long shot. Absolutely. Yeah. I have your birth chart here, but I have a question for you. Is there like, is there anything that you want to know? What kind of things do you ask? Literally anything. Anything about your nature, your life, your present, your past or your future? And if oh, my goodness. And if you ask a question that isn't a good question, I'll just tell you. Okay. um, A question about... like Is there anything going on in your life that you're trying to figure out or make a decision around? Okay, so this is a big,
0: I'm going to turn 40 in January. And my intention is that I really just want to leave behind as much baggage as I can. And I feel like one of the things I've become aware of is that my pain and my trauma from my past has become my story and me overcoming those things. Like I thought that the story was me overcoming those things. It's so much of my work and my books. But if you have to keep telling that story again and again and again, then it's almost the narrative of who you are. And I don't want to identify with that any longer. I would love to identify with who I'm becoming, not who I was. I don't know really where the question oh, is I, do. I guess That was the any- question. Okay, great. I got it.
1: I, it's perfect. So there's a lot of things I want to tell you about that. The first is I agree. Like I s- completely agree. And what you're basically describing is that you're in your late 30s. Yep. Yeah. You're, because you couldn't come to this until the story helped heal something of the past. And then the story becomes its own thing you have to heal from. That's just life. And and I yeah. want to like both validate it for you but also for people listening, we all go through that in our own way and it's always really confronting when we when we start to go through it because you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> the thing that helped me heal is now holding me back the fuck. Like that's not what I want. So I want to just like acknowledge that. I also want to acknowledge you are going through the first, so in astrology, there's something called transits. And so basically, what transits are is predictive astrology. It's the planets are moving real time, like my little mouse is here, through the sky, and they are lighting up different parts of your birth chart. And the mathematical relationship between a planet in the sky and a planet fixed in time in your birth chart dictates something called transits, which are cycles and trends of experience. Okay. And this is why um, sometimes in your life, everything is falling apart and other times everything is coming together. And yet other times it's both, right? It's just depends on the transits you're going through. And the midlife crisis is associated with three separate transits. The first one is called the Pluto square to Pluto, and it always comes first. It happens either in the late 30s to the early 40s. And then there's the Neptune square to Neptune and the Uranus opposition. So... Don't worry, I will explain. The, you are currently, you started in March of this year to go through your Pluto square to Pluto. It'll be over on December 29th of 2024. It's a two-year period. It's a long transit. Is it usually that long? Yeah. Pluto transits okay, are always okay. two years. Neptune transits, Pluto transits, they're always about two years long. Um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal transit. And the Pluto square to Pluto is when all of the shit from your childhood— that you thought you healed, all of a sudden becomes activated in your psyche. But Pluto specifically governs things that we have taboos around, shame, resentments. This is probably now that I'm thinking of it, why that stuff came up with your brother around your mom, because it's really deep, unhealed wounding, right? And that's what Pluto rules over. The Pluto square Pluto happens and it's usually like chaos psychologically as you're like, I thought I worked this out and you realize you haven't. And then when you like kind of move that piece of furniture, you're like, ah, there's all this shit behind the furniture that I have to clean up. And it's and it is confronting. As I said, it's like this is why stereotypically people blow up their lives in the midlife crisis. It's because either A, their lives need to be blown up. Or B, people don't know how to change and people don't know how to grow. And so we self-sabotage, right? And the Pluto square to Pluto is transformative. It is at times destructive and at times repairing. It's meant to be intense. You know, it's meant to be intense. And in your birth chart, because Pluto falls in the sixth house, that's the sixth house here, it directly impacts your physical body in your work, like how you live, because for you, your work and how you live are interchangeable. And so what happened on October 25th was we had a solar eclipse in Scorpio and it sat right on top of your Saturn, which sits right on top of your Pluto. And so that eclipse and the last month or two has been just like kind of like a knee on your tender spot. Like it's been a really intense time That has been opening you up. And you have this thing where you're like, I'm going to prove it to myself and the world that I can, you know, do this, that and the bag of chips. Like I can do it all and I can do it fast and I can do it well. And you you often can. You often can. And then you collapse. And then you collapse because you push yourself hard and you push yourself hard out of your own survival mechanisms demands instead of out of love for yourself. Some things require time. And this is one of them for you. It's figuring out how to give yourself the grace that you work so hard to try to give other people in your life. And so, you know, how what your attitudes are to people in general is one thing. But the people in your personal life, you give them a lot of grace. You give them a lot of grace. And yeah. you don't do that for yourself. Now, sometimes you can, like, Be impulsive and maybe even a little sloppy. A lot of Sagittarius there. Absolutely. So people might be like, oh, you're cutting yourself too much slack. But you don't cut yourself any slack. Again, this is where we get into nuance. You know, the way we seem based on our behaviors is often not. It's often a reaction to what we are. It's not what we are. And so what if I could make a wish for you over the next four years is to figure out a way to stop and to understand that part of labor, effective, efficient labor, is in repose. It's in doing nothing. It's in receiving and receiving, and that's it, just receiving. And I don't just mean like receiving things from people. I mean like being in a state where you're not doing anything so that you can receive the wisdom and it can settle into your pores, you know, where you're not telling a story, you're not figuring out the answer you're just letting it settle. And so much of the spiritual work that we do I think can be a little dangerous because and I, you know, I see this as a spiritual practitioner, but because it's we are looking for a way out of pain instead of looking for a way into peace with the self, love for the self, some form of communion, you know, to use like a Christian word, and as we kind of have touched on and only barely touched on, your mother's apathy, her lack of action, which she did for very good moralistic theoretical reasons, right, has turned you into someone who's action, 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 proof, 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 right? 100%. Yeah. And so as you are in your Pluto return, what you're going to do is experience the limitations of action for action's sake for proof's sake you know we live in a culture that's obsessed with receipts and that's not bad but it's also uh, not good for all things right and figuring out how to be in repose and in a state that looks like what your mother some of your mother's behavior was is confronting your demons not your demons from other people The ways in which your survival mechanisms have become your own demons. Because Pluto governs our flight or fight, our survival mechanisms. And I, yeah, I wish you repose. I wish you space. And I think there are ways that you're very good at giving yourself that. But those are, you call those vacations. You call those weekends. You don't call that the work. And I'm calling it the work.
0: Luxury and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now, it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. It's interesting too how my brain is working right or how my brain's processing this is I have come so far in the last 15 years. Like I, the person that I used to be and how hard I used to push and the person I am today are unrecognizable. So it's like, my brain is like, what? More? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what are you talking about? This is wild. But I I really love... The idea like that the work is – it is sitting with it and it is – because I think in the world that I come from, right, writing – for the longest time I wrote a book a year and I have this podcast that has 1,000 episodes due at all times and (laughs) all of these things. And and I think anybody listening who creates content that we push out into the world – it's never enough. It's never enough. There's never enough. Mm-hmm. You, no matter what you – it's like, great. Well, you did that yesterday. What do you have today? Mm-hmm. So it's created this thing. There was already this thing in me, but it's become so increased. And in like not only do you have to show your work, but you need to show your work and come up with a new idea every single day. It's just the, the message that I've been getting a lot from the universe in the last six months is to lean into inviting more people like share the platform have more people come on and teach like you don't meaning me mm-hmm. I don't have to have all the answers cuz I don't even have a the tiniest amount of them so I am really conscious of this but I am going to sit with it more and I think going into the retreat next weekend this is really helpful because even flipping it in my brain of you know, cause you set an intention for every journey that you're going to take. And, you know, one of the intentions for me is like, how do I like leave this piece behind? Mm-hmm. And I actually think reframing that question in a better way of like, how do I accept this? Or how yes. do I, you know, that's
1: it. That That's it. Do that one. How do I accept yeah. it? <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And and did you start making that shift with the podcast in the spring of this year? Yes. Yeah. It's with the transit. So you, you're working yeah. with the energies, right? Yeah. And this is the thing. It's not about... How will I frame this? It's not just about the action of doing less or being or whatever. It's about creating the space inside of yourself to allow yourself to be like your mother in this way. Right? So it's mm-hmm. stepping into the trigger, And acknowledging that you are not your parents. You are, you know, you are not who you were at 20. You are here. You are you. You are now. And that is hard for all of us. And I think for somebody who is as as driven as you are, which is astrologically signified by the Pluto-Saturn conjunction square to your Mercury, Midheaven, and Venus conjunction, the way that you drive yourself is through scarcity. I have to. I must absolutely. There's not. There's. It's. It's like it's not a drive from abundance, which is so much of your nature. Is so motivated by abundance. But when it comes down to labor, it's scarcity that motivates you, and that can change because there isn't a scarcity of love for you anymore. There isn't a scarcity of time or resources for you anymore, and you get to reparent the child within and this is a 40 plus issue. It's not something we do in our a lot of people do this kind of work in the 30s, but t- astrology is the study of time and there's only so much we can do in our 30s because we've only been an adult human for so many years. You know, and there's only so much we can do in our 40s because there's only so much we've lived yet. So I think it's about just like being graceful with yourself as you go through all of this. Because it is hard. This is, like, one of the harder parts of your birth chart that are getting lit up. And so don't fast-track it because that's not a thing. That's, like, not a thing. That's just, like, you doing the old thing, you know? Gotta get the book out. Gotta do the next episode. Gotta, 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 gotta. Right. You might choose to. But shifting that from need as a scarcity mentality to choice as acceptance, presence, responsiveness, right? That is— such a subtle but life-changing shift for you. Mm-hmm. And it's completely within your nature to do. Like, it's completely within your nature. But let me throw some other thumbs in at you. So this is yeah. a little more woo. So we have all the planets, right? And I, I can talk to you about your your personality if you like. But, I mean, you know who you are. So yeah, I, yeah, you, I know, you know, it right? doesn't feel that useful to me. But it is what a lot of people associate with an astrology reading. is like a data report on who you are. It's not how I work, but... There's something in the birth chart called the nodes. So this is the north node, and it's not drawn here, but opposite to the north node is also always the south node. It's always the exact opposite point. And the north node represents where your soul is journeying towards in this lifetime. So in in effect, it's kind of like integration point, the spiritual integration point of the birth chart. The south node is related to or represents uh, where you've been in your most previous incarnations. And whenever we try to do our south node, we try to live from our south node, things blow up, they never work. Doesn't matter how technically good it is, doesn't work. So we come into embodiment of our nodes in our 40s. So you're very very close. Not yet there, but you're very, very, very close. Your north node is in the house of Taurus in the second house, and it's in the zodiac sign of cancer. And this means that you have come here in this life on a spiritual level To figure out how to have true shared intimacy with yourself as well as with others. To really receive love and to give it. And to do it with people who share your values. Which means part of what you've come here on a soul level to do is to figure out what your values are. Which is especially difficult for, I think it's difficult, period. But it's especially difficult for people who are raised within religion. Because people who are raised within religion are given right and wrong, moralistic truisms. And there's like a consequence. It's not a big deal, just eternal damnation if you're wrong. Like, no big deal, right? It's fine. Um, But, and that can interrupt our process of identifying what our values are. And that is a huge part of what your work is. So as you step into your midlife crisis journey, aka your Pluto square, the Neptune, and then Uranus transit that you'll go through, what I want to kind of like, Point you towards is what do you value? How can you approach your values with love? How can you nurture your values and allow them to nurture you? Me and my metaphors, but like the way that I'll often describe, because most people are like, what are you talking about? What is a value? Venus or the Taurus or the second house, like there's a bunch of things in astrology that reference values. And then there's Neptune, which references ideals. And I think of it as our ideals are like stars. They light up the night sky. They guide us. But we will never reach them. Like technically, not even Elon Musk. We will never reach them, right? And values are like lampposts. They light up the night sky. They guide us. And eventually, the light bulb dies or it dims, and it needs to be replaced, and it can be reached. It takes a special ladder. It is difficult, but it can be reached. That's the difference between ideals and values. And values are more grounded into material reality and into, like, we can achieve our values in a way that is very hard to do with our ideals. Our ideals are not meant to be exactly uh, achieved. So I'm just giving you this because you are also going through your Neptune squared in Neptune, it starts in the spring of 2023, which sounds like it's in future time, but that's like in a few months. It's like four or five months or something. And so when you this in the upcoming spring enter into your Neptune squared in Neptune, your drive for meaning and living a life that better reflects your ideals is going to become incredibly important to you for about two years. Mm. And What I want to say is that if your ideals are, if you find your ideals are so important to you, make sure that they are reflected in your values. And if you're like doing journaling work or any other spiritual work, bringing it back to your values and how your values are reflected through your choices, your actions towards yourself as well as others. Right. That's the work for you. And it is not easy work, but it is really meaningful work. It's like your soul's work. So you're not supposed to like get it right. You're supposed to journey towards getting it right difference right yeah um, and i i will say that it does look like in your childhood values were weaponized against you because you have a chiron conjunction to your ascendant in taurus and in, this is where your dad comes in and, and was he physically violent
0: uh not with us but he would break things punch the holes in the wall like in definitely there was trauma from being afraid of it turning to us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what it looks like. And do you know if his dad was violent with him?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's
1: what it looks like. It looks like your dad was managing not being his father.
0: And Absolutely. And he...
1: And did he drink? Uh, my grandpa did. Okay, but not
0: My dad. dad drinks now, but not when I was little.
1: Lucky you, because I don't know how he would yeah. held back if he drank then. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, the violence shows up in your chart. And, you know, the way that it looks like he policed your values, and your value was through threats, bullying, barking, you know? Absolutely. And so this is a part of you that you have defensively explored on some, like, spiritual level. It's been a defensive one because, again, your dad is so loud. And so... For you, what you learned from him was many things. Some of them are actually very valuable. but one of the things you learned was that there is a power in getting shit done. and there is a power in being the first one to stand up. and there is a power in being the first one to say a thing, you know? And that is all true, but it, you learned it through self-defense, right? And so in a way, it robbed you of your ability to sit, Just sit and not be the first one, you know, to not defend yourself. And your mom didn't defend herself, and she became apathetic, and you're desperate to not be like that. And so, again, we are really kind of talking about and getting at this, like, core trauma stuff for you that was always meant to be identified and worked through at this stage of your life and not before.
0: traveltexas.com slash get your own.
1: Again, I want to just really encourage you to be very, very graceful with yourself on this because when you start to tap at your values, when you start to tap at your value, not for what you do, not the value of what you do, just your value, your inner bully gets really loud and starts barking. And it's it's quite painful for you. And you have, this is the one place in your birth chart where you're a one trick pony. Fight, 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 defend, go hard. Like that's your, that's like the only thing, the only tool that you have that you know to be reliable and it's scary to not use that tool. And so being brave enough to not prove your strength or your form and ability is scary. But at a certain point, which you happen to be at, you you got to have faith that you've already proven it to yourself and to everyone around you, yeah. that you're formidable.
0: You don't have to do it anymore. So it, it's so interesting to like hear things or see them in a different way and go, oh, that's where this comes from. Because I have this thing and I've had this thing my whole life, which doesn't make sense. If you knew me, if we we're hanging out, having a drink in the front, like If we are real-life friends, which I already hope that we are, Jessica, forever (laughs) and ever, let's get matching tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, it's so not me, but I have this really weird thing of feeling disrespected, someone doing something in business or in whatever where it feels disrespectful. And I think I've never unpacked this before, but if I dive in there, I'm like, oh, this is fear-based. Yeah. you saying that like fight thing, it's because if you don't know that I'm strong, like if I haven't explained to you that I'm strong, maybe then you're going to mess with me. Or maybe then you're going to hurt me. Or maybe I'm not safe because you don't know that you shouldn't mess with me. And so disrespect to me, which there aren't even things that other people would find disrespectful, but I'm like, I don't even say them out loud, but in my own head, I'm like, I cannot believe that they're being this disrespectful, which is- Oh, that's
1: really helpful. That's uh, like a mind blower. It's your dad. I mean, it's like he's he's like you're in your chart. He's archetypally like a cop. The worst stereotypes of a cop. And yes. So what you did, which is what all of us do, is that you looked at your parents and you're like, well, which one am I not going to be? And it was your mom. Easy choice. Easy choice. It was your mom, even though she was kinder and more loving and more present. You weren't going to be your mom. And so, you weren't going to be your dad, not out loud. So you just became your dad to yourself, and you became your dad when you're triggered. Ta-da! Oh, well played. Look at her go! Look everybody. at her go! <laughs> Look at her go! And and you know, and this is again, it's just like this is the time to do this work, not before. And and I, I know I keep on repeating this because I just see how hard you are in yourself. And you're so impatient. You're like, I named it. Why isn't it done? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all that Sag and, and uh, Aquarius in you. I said this on a podcast earlier today
0: that I – it's been, you know, three years since I split up with my ex-husband. And I'm like, I can't believe that we're still dealing with this shit. I can't yeah. believe it. Like – how, why isn't this wrapped? Why aren't we done? Why are, and then I, I was talking to this person who's an addiction specialist and she was saying people's family, you know, someone will come in for treatment and they're like, what do you think? Like 30 days, 60 days. And she's like, at least a year. Yeah. She's like, how long did it take them to walk into the forest? How long did it take? Because now they're in the midst of the forest. So if it took them a year or 10 years, in my case, if I was with this person for 18 years, then it's not unbelievable that three years later, you're still unpacking some shit, bro. Like, It is what
1: it is. But I am very impatient. You're right. Very impatient. And also- You grew up with him. I mean, if you're with him for 18 years, you grew up with him. Yes. So he is inevitably going to be part of this story we're talking about with your mom and your dad. So maybe some moments he's your dad, some moments he's your mom, and then flippity-flop. And that's the complicated part about getting partnered or married when you're really young is you don't have enough space (laughs) from your childhood to not recreate your childhood dynamics or your parents' marriage. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of marriage after Saturn return, after the first Saturn return, uh, <laughs> for that reason. So that you know your marriage doesn't have to go through a Saturn return together. But I, I will say that. Hold on, let me check my little trusty ephemeris, because I didn't yes. t- write this number down, and I wish I had. Girl, let's see. It begins in, yeah, in the summer, in next summer, summer of 2023. You're going to enter into a once in a lifetime transit. And it's going to, hit, it's going to be Uranus sitting on top of your Ascendant, while at the same time sitting on top of your Chiron and squaring your Mars. It's going to last you about two years.
0: It's going so to trigger stuff's all stuff. What of going on stuff. for me next yeah. year, is what you're
1: saying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, why else would you like call an astrologer and be like, "Hey, girl, let's talk." It's like this is this is, <laughs> you know, you're you're intuitive. You're like somebody tell me something. You're in a really big period. I mean, you're in a massive yeah. period. And you know what? you have been for several years your light your chart has been really lit up and this is the thing you can see visually that we've got like a little chunk of planets here we've got a bigger chunk of planets here another chunk is here whenever we have clusters in the birth chart that means transiting planets hit us in clusters. So you'll have years at a time where everything is shit and years at a time where everyone is jealous of you because everything's amazing. And on and on it goes because that's just how your math works. And Everybody's math? No, or Yours. me. You, so oh, okay. some people have clustered charts. Some people have really spread out charts. So they'll have planets in every house. You have, see, this is an empty house. This, there's no such thing as an empty house exactly, but there are no planets in half your chart. Right. So wow. that's because you have so many conjunctions. You have so many planets that are sitting on top of each other. Back to your, your Lash Lady's love of aspects. I didn't explain this part. Let's get a little weedy for one second. Like I said, astrology is math. We, we work with the major aspects or transits. And the first one is called a conjunction. It's when planets are sitting conjoined, right? They're sitting on top of each other. All of these planets, you can see here, It's this This says moon. This says one degree, 57 minutes at a 60. So this is a two degree moon. We got a three degree sa- uh, Jupiter and a seven degree um, Uranus. Mathematically, they're all within a seven degree orb. I know this is weedy. I, I'm going to be done in a sec. And we work with a seven-degree orb for the birth chart. All these planets are conjoined. And when a pl- when planets are conjoined each other, their natural functions become somehow merged, right? It's just like if I take a hat and I put a feather on it, it becomes a part of the—if they're stuck together forever, that's just part of the hat now, right? Similarly, yeah. these planets function with each other. They don't function separately, whereas— in my birth chart, none of these planets are functioning related to each other, right? This is the uniqueness of what we are. Some people have a lot of conjunctions. Some people have a lot more oppositions. Now, you don't have any oppositions. Oppositions happen when planets are, in the, are mathematically opposite each other. And that means you see they're on one side of the chart. They would have to be also on the other side of the chart. Th- these are squares here. That's a 90 degree angle. So they have to be 90 degrees from each other. And, and and I can keep on going with all the aspects if you want or you can just trust me to say everybody has a different shape or pattern inside their birth chart. And that means some people it's like things are bad. Things are good. Things are bad. Things are good. There's like this like ebb and flow, which isn't good and it isn't bad. It just is what it is. Just, it just like is, yeah. with you, it's clusters. Cluster yay, cluster nay, cluster yay, cluster nay. To me, as an astrologer, it is so relieving to know that there is a math, there is a pattern to what we are and our lived experience, like how life functions for us. Yeah, I don't know how people live without astrology because it's so useful for charting (laughs) this stuff, you know what I mean? To be like, yeah, you're you're not losing it. You're just being slammed by a bunch of transits.
0: Honestly, that's really helpful because I have gone that – I feel like the transit thing makes sense to me, and it has manifested in a lot of physical ways, manifested in my physical body, lots of hormone imbalance, lots of anemia. I feel like it has taken me the whole year, this year, to get healthy again and to get okay, and I'm feeling really good, and I'll be honest, I – after having about three years of a really hard three years, it's felt in the last six months like, okay, we're okay again. And wow. I have this sort of latent fear that creeps in the back of my mind that something bad's going to happen mm. because it just, I feel like I've been living, not only have I been living in it for three years, but I have all of these experiences in my past where it's been really bad and I have. I'm fighting the fight or flight in me Mm -hmm. that's like be careful don't get too comfortable like shit could hit the fan again to me being healthy is really grounded in nutrition honestly what i eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives it's why i love a company like thrive market Market.com slash ThriveMarket.com slash This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts.
1: What I would say that that is, is a little bit, again, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm not going to tell you that's, I mean, that's just how we roll. Like, we're just like, okay. what comes next? We're planners, right? But what's really motivating that is, like you said, it's your survival mechanism. Because if things are going well, even if things are going well within hardship, your survival mechanisms, not everybody's, yours, say, okay, so what comes next? Am I going to get a sucker punched? Am I going to get a sucker punch? Nobody's going to sucker punch me. So you get up. And you get your fighting stance on. And sometimes that invites drama. Sometimes it doesn't, right? But it always stops you from doing what I referenced earlier, receiving, being in repose, actually resting. So you may look like you're resting because you're not technically doing something, but the whole time you're like, ah, why are you? Order? Like you're ready, to, you're ready to fight. And so developing a relationship with your survival mechanisms where you have confidence in their responsiveness, So that if someone walks in the room that wants to give you a sucker punch, hey, maybe you'll take a hit, maybe you won't, but you'll get up and fight. But until that happens, you're in a room. You get to chill out. And that's really hard. Like, it's hard for, I think it's hard for lots of people. I think it's also, we are living through exceptionally dangerous times domestically within the U.S. and globally, you know, on the world stage. I I think that most People who are particularly sensitive, energetically, spiritually sensitive, are feeling incredibly activated because I am not aware of a single country in the world that isn't dealing with upsets and and destabilization. We are still very yeah. much living through a pandemic. People are dying. There are orphans. Like, it's just like there's a, there is a lot to consider. And it is so destabilizing for everybody's flight or fight mechanism because what are you going to fight? It's not a guy in a room you could take a guy in a room but this is like unknown out of control threats they're existential threats and i think it's important that you know in spiritual circles we acknowledge that that it is activating us and there isn't an answer i'd love to give you a beautiful spiritual answer for this but like yeah everything is dangerous and scary and it's okay to be scared of of things yeah. being scary and i think a lot of people, again, in, in spiritual circles will sell it, say, don't tap into fear. You know, fear is a mistake. I disagree. Again, I, I just feel like if my house is on fire and I sit around saying, I'm not going to resonate with fear, then I'm a fool. I think fear exists in, in humans for a reason. I live in California. There was an earthquake the other day in, in the Bay Area. It was 5.1. It was kind of a big one. Lasted 30 yeah. seconds. I looked at my cats. They weren't scared. That told me, like, okay, they're not feeling something coming. They're just going through something because there's so much their their relationship to fear is so different than humans. Right. So it kind of like soothed me. But it wasn't like I wasn't thinking about the heavy thing that maybe I should never have put on that shelf. It wasn't (laughs) like I wasn't thinking about all the things. It's just having a way of engaging with fear where sometimes we turn our fear into caution. Which is preventative and grounded and useful. And sometimes we let our fear help us to like run into traffic and grab a child from getting hit by a car or something. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, or wearing a mask in a crowded indoor space is, according to me, is like a good use of fear. I think that it is a really kind of like coming back to you very personally. Some of what you're going through, you're going through with billions of people, existential fear, and that creates its own auric fields. And to a certain extent, I think, what are you going to fucking do? You got to cope? Yeah. Got to cope. Yeah. And then some of the things are very personal to you. So many of the things are also so very personal to you. And those things, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about it. And I know you have all of your own tools and skills also. And you're going to engage with it. But if you don't find a way to do this work because you love yourself instead of do this work because you need to get through it because you want to prove to yourself you can, because you're sick of the shit already, yeah. then it won't, then you're going to be missing the opportunity. You know what I yeah. mean? And this is like, again, I got to say Capricorn on Capricorn violence. It's like, I might as well be saying this to myself, but like, so it's not easy, but but it, it yeah. is the work and you're in a special position because as you do this work with yourself on yourself, you get to share the journey with people and that really helps. So, I don't know, I just talked for way too long, but- uh, No, the, okay. this
0: is my favorite and I could, this could be our first like five hour podcast of the show. I would already love to just invite you back again because I know we're gonna get so many like freak out responses about this. I have 1000 other questions, but I also wanna be conscious of this and also the fact that I hear my five-year-old, which means she's gonna run in here at any moment- And be cute. And, and be adorable. I cannot thank you enough. Oh I literally God. cannot thank you enough. This was such a gift on so many levels. I thought I was going to learn like, why is it called Taurus? And this just went so
1: much that's deeper. We went, we went somewhere else. Well, I got so excited when I pulled up your chart. So I was like, we've, ve- I mean, I'm like a decade older than you, but we've very similar charts. Oh, do we? Oh, yeah. that's rad. I know. Okay. So I was well, like, oh, we're going to get along nice and easy here. Yeah. I uh, definitely, I definitely
0: want to keep digging into this and diving yes. further. I, um, I do want to ask this because I feel like, number one, I feel like this is going to be a popular thing to know, but number two, I feel like i loved it. Do you do one-on-one sessions? Thank you for
1: asking that. Yeah. So, for 28, 26, something like that, years, I, that's what I did for my full-time living. And then I saw COVID coming, and so I stopped scheduling people in 2019 because I was booking a year in advance. And I'm not taking clients during COVID. That is my current kind of limitation. So we got a couple more years. So no, but I do So you don't even do Zoom. It's because TBH. So in 2017, I saw COVID coming. Okay. And, and what s- what did
0: it look like or feel like, or what did you sense? Because um, I I'm where oh, I need to stop talking. But <laughs> I have wondered this: like, how did we
1: not? hear this or maybe I just wasn't in the right circles like how no. weren't <laughs> I didn't say anything about it in public that way and I'll tell you why because I have no power I'm not in the CDC I right. am not in the World Health Organization and so I feel and this is like a whole other topic you're right, right. we should right. talk more but like I feel a very strong responsibility as a spiritual person with a platform to. Be responsible, because I think it is very dangerous when spiritual people give out medical advice. There are epidemiologists. Right. I am not one. There are yeah. doctors. I am not one, you know. And if I felt that what I saw coming, I also saw Civil War coming at the same time. And yes, the timing, I think, is, you know, of those two things is very meaningful and an important conversation, right? You saw Civil War coming You here like that's still in the U.S. Yeah. I, well, I yeah. think— the history books will point to will point to this time as being civil war, a form yeah. of civil war. I mean, it's not like the first yeah. one. Things are real messy and and real yeah, dangerous. and the divides yeah, are, are very deep. And you know, the insurrection on January sixth is Absolutely. the g- greatest threat to democracy we've had, you know, since the civil war since, yeah, yeah, you're right. So what I did do was, I went on my little Instagram and I put up an Instagram, like a highlight. You can see it. I think it's from 2017 of things to put in a go bag. Like I did that, you know, like emergency supplies to have. And I was just like, just putting it there for you guys, you know, do what you want. Because I thought, well, that's something that I can practically help people with. Making a prediction of something that hopefully won't happen. But if it does happen, all I'm doing is putting fear in people's hearts. Not useful. I am down for fear when it's when it's pragmatic, but not Mm -hmm. when it's like anxiety producing. Right. So. I didn't predict it. I mean, I talked about it with my partner and with other astrologers, but I didn't predict it publicly. What started to happen in 2018, 20, but especially in 2019, is every consultation I would do, I would be like, it'd be very hard for me to be giving individual answers without being like, you know, how can I encourage this person to open a storefront? Wow. I see everything's going to collapse. I don't want to tell somebody to, like, quit their day job. When I know the economy is going to collapse. So it became this incredible burden. And I know a lot of people either don't believe that COVID is real or their psychological coping mechanisms are putting them in dissidence. So they're like, oh, the pandemic's over. And I don't believe either of those things are true personally. And that's the other thing. People are like, well, COVID's over now, so everything's back to normal. I can't, how am I going to do a reading with that? Because it, n- none of that is true. So right. it's not about my personal safety, which I'm good enough with boundaries where I can just be like, zoom a clock. But yeah. <laughs> um, it's more that for me to do individual one on one readings is to be ignoring the profound fault line we are living on and the predictability of things. Like I have a very good accuracy rate with with making predictions when that is appropriate, but I can't do that anymore because the world is in such a state of unrest and this nation is in such a state of unrest. I mean, how how and also I don't want to because right. I was constantly giving people bad news, constantly saying things they didn't want to hear. That's not my favorite thing. Like I'm down to give bad news. Like you probably can tell from the way I read things. Like I'm not scared of touching into difficult places. But this is something else. And it's not just something else. It's something else that I'm living through with everyone. So I'm not like immune to any of it. Right. And so that's why I stopped. That's why in 2019, because I saw it was coming in 2020 and I was booking out a year in advance. So I stopped taking appointments in 2019 because I knew that all of 2019 was going to be difficult, where I was constantly telling people things I didn't want to hear. And it would be very hard for me to separate. And, and what I did do was I started my podcast in 2018 in response to so much of this with the ambition to give people the, the tools of what I believe are foundational, which is emotional intelligence. Because with emotional intelligence, then you're not just protecting yourself and your immediate people. You're thinking about community. Because that is Mm. the emotionally intelligent way of going. Like, for me, wellness and the wellness world is problematic when we don't think of wellness as uh, uh, interconnected with the wellness of others. Like, our wellness can't happen on the backs of others, right?
0: Mm. And
1: we live in a very individualistic culture. In my one-on-one readings, it's not appropriate for me to bring that in. Because those are my ideologies. That's my worldview. Whereas when I do one on many stuff, whereas like, you know, like my podcast, I can bring that in. So this is a very long answer I've given you to say, that's why I don't do readings one-on-one. Yes. But yes. I do every week on my podcast. Have, like, I answer listener questions. So, somebody, people write in, and then I pick a question and I give them a reading, like I've given one to you, and then it goes on the podcast. So, that's the one way that people can do it. I'm sorry, it was such a long answer. No, that
0: was so good. That was so good. And I appreciate it because I know everyone's going to be like, How do I hire her? How do I? So, the way that the audience can get to know you better,
1: best way is to listen to the show. Listen to the show. If you want a reading, there's that. And then if you want to learn with me in a more, so I'm not giving readings on my Patreon, but if people want to like get a little more woo with me and have like, that's the one platform where people have like access to me as opposed to like Instagram. On my Instagram, I'm a, I like, I like become You're an a orange planet or I'm like a, a yeah, yeah exactly. or the moon. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I just got so sick of faces during COVID. Yeah. I was like, so many faces on the internet. I'm going to be an animal. I'm going to be a red flag. <laughs> Patreon is where I, am astrological and spiritual and then like I have conversations with people and like get into shit you know so yeah so that's all all the things
0: this has been so su- I'm looking over here because this is where we are but this has yeah. been this has been incredible it's been and, and I so can't great wait. wait for me too I cannot wait to have more conversation to be best friends <laughs> Um, to just matching take tattoos. it to the next level. Yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. matching tattoos. Yes. Yeah. And just on a personal note, it was really helpful. You said a lot of things today that I'm going to take to heart and unpack and sit with, and I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. So, it's been Jessica, so
1: wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.